0: Data Mesh Radio is provided as a free community resource by Data Mesh Understanding. It is produced and hosted by me, Scott Herleman. This episode is part of a longer interview I conducted with Shemak Degani, who's the founder of the Data Mesh concept and is sponsored by her, her company, her startup Next Data. The goal of these conversations is to dig deeper into specific topics rather than skimming the surface and really discuss Shemak's view of the now and the future of Data Mesh, what is possible now, what can we do to set ourselves up for success in the in the future? And what is our ideal picture in that future once we have the ways of working and the tooling more figured out? Hopefully, you get some great insights as well as seeing the other side of the funny and wonderful person behind the data mesh paradigm. Please do follow Jamak as well for more interesting insights to keep an eye out on what she is working on. I think you'll be very interested and exciting. Now, up next, I'll give a bit of my summary of the episode, so you might focus on a few of the nuanced points that Jemak makes. Sometimes she says some things that are kind of like a picture, right, worth a thousand words in and of themselves, even when she says one sentence. So with that, uh, let's go ahead and hear some fun music, and then we'll get into that summary. (laughs) I'm sorry, 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 I I'm sorry, 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 I Corner 11, thinning the veil between the data and operational universes. This is the fourth part in a longer conversation with Jumac. With this one talking about what we need to develop to provide a better experience for data product developers and consumers. You know, for the consumers, it's mo- that moving from discover to trust to learn to use with very little friction. We still have a long way to go with analytical APIs. They're basically only for sharing raw data at the moment. How can we better share that embedded information, You know, the actual semantics, the metadata information, via the API as well? And how can we give data product developers the ability to do the right thing by default, and where we optimize for ease of use and also for use by more generalist developers, instead of having this hyper specialization that we've hit on in data where you have to really, really have a ton of knowledge about the tooling to actually get the work done. That's not going to get us to scale. There have always been these kind of two very separate universes of operational and analytical planes. How do we cha- change that? Like, how do we thin that veil between the two different universes, right? So that there's crossover. And, you know, how do we leverage software engineering practices and what we've really mastered on that side of, of the world around microservices and DevOps and all of these cloud native everything? How do we use those in analytics? So, you know, I'll, I'll turn it over to the expertise of Shamack. Okay, with that shortest summary of the episode done, let's go ahead and get to actually hearing from the woman herself, Shmak Degani.
1: This is like really high-level, nice, basic APIs that allows you to go through the experience of discover, learn, trust, use, right? And they use in streaming fashion or pulling fashion or, you know, that push or pull, depending on how, how you want to interact. Like those higher-order APIs don't exist. And I think, yes, for to, to create those, that takes a fair bit of investment. And, and even then, there are some really hard problems to solve um across platforms because like for example identity system and authorization just they're not standard right that's that's a basic standardization that we had to solve with apis and you know open id connect and OAuth and all of that back in the day when we started building apis we learned very quickly that's the first thing we have to solve which we haven't solved in the data space but even in the absence of that you can still you know it's unfortunate it's It's not any worse than what we do today, but you can standardize on um, every type of port that you have to expose the data um, using SQL to a SQL endpoint or using any of the open file formats that exist, as arrow, parquet, whatever format it is. So these are not ideal ways of sharing data because you're still sharing raw data and they're fairly fragile. You have no way of... Um, You know, intercepting what the user wants and what you actually want to expose, Um, but it's not any worse than where we are today. So we are basically using technology that exists, and we're using open technology. So if you choose to go to some other, you know, vendor, that's there's a level of freedom. Um, Is it ideal? No, but is it doable? Yes.
0: And you know, kind of circling back with that again, that I think that's a, a really strong point to make of we can move to this thing and it's not necessarily better, but we're set up for when the better does come. I, I like giving people that that kind of permission. But like when we think again about how would we expose the capabilities of handling your data to these data product developers. Like what, what do we want to, to think about that? You know, you've talked about this, this is your, your big problem that you didn't see, uh, why, you know, people were, were really tackling this. And so what, how do we even, I don't even know how to ask that question. Cause it's such a big, big question. Like, how do you think about that? Or what would you tell people about where, if, if you had your druthers in 10 years, where would we be with that?
1: Yeah, I think you want to really ma- optimize across multiple, again, talking very in abstract form, uh, across multiple axes, right? You want to optimize on the axis that um, people just do the right thing from the moment of inception of a data product, right? You give them a framework to do the right thing from very early on. And, um, you know, you, you want to, of course, allow flexibility around it, but the framework allows you to do the right thing. And we have seen this over and over again in the past. Every time a notion, a new notion has been introduced, again, I bring kind of past experiences from software engineering, like we had 12-factor app, and then we had, like, PCF, people do cloud foundry. We had, um, you know, we had, I don't know, uh, kind of web application, lightweight web app development. We had Ruby on Rails, so there, there were these frameworks that they were introduced to codify an approach and give you know a blueprint, a codification of a blueprint, so that you can do the right thing and you can customize the pieces that need to be customized easily within that framework. Uh, so one axis is around providing a framework to people to do the right thing. And in that framework, I think, what is what is to do the right thing in the context of the data? It is, you know, um, thinking about just beyond, not just about the data, but beyond data. Um, think about the usability of your data. Think about baking in from day one. Your, your metadata in, into what you're sharing with no longer just data shared data that's just not acceptable anymore. And I use metadata as it's just a catch-all phrase for all of the other pieces that makes the piece of data usable. Um, for example, for me, a distributed data system has to be uh, bitemporal to be used in an analytical way and have some level of like guarantee around it's a state of eventual consistency when we make queries. We know that we're making a query for for what point in time. So so doing the right thing would be the platform give you ability to just semantically define and um, provide your data with temporality built in with, you know, what is doing the right thing about policies will platform that the scaffolding will give you a place to plug in and, Easily de- declaratively define the policies that govern the data. So, and of course, validate that at build time, monitor that at runtime, and recover it when it happens, right? Failure happens. So, that is one axis around which we have to optimize the experience of a developer, pave um, path to do the right thing. And then the other axis is removing, again, a need for specialization. Right now, as you said, this. Cambrian explosion of tools comes with a Cambrian explosion of specialized people in all of these tools that are somehow in, um, they're they, they working also in different paradigms, right? And that's okay. I mean, this, some, some, to some level proliferation is needed so that we can, the best ones bubble, rise to the top and we make progress. We create new ways of thinking and coding our thinking. And we've had that in you know, in the past around like functional programming and object-oriented programming, these more different types of programming. And, and the same exists now in the data space, right? We need different ways of looking at solving the problem with streaming and um, SQL-based and, and so on. But at the same time, I think we've got to optimize on the axis of um, moving toward generalization, in my mind. Otherwise, it's just a, we're creating an unsustainable system that everyone has to be specialized so then what does that look like? I think the frameworks and the paradigms within which we code these data products or define in semantic, uh, it has to be familiar. It has to fit in. Again, I'm a developer, so I'm looking at it from a developer persona. It has to fit into basic constructs of development and programming that we learn. Uh, as opposed to some esoteric kind of configuration base that that doesn't really uh, you know it, it hits a limit very quickly and it, it leads you toward a specialization again. So so then the second axis is less optimized for ease of use and for generalized people to 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 use it and then do the right thing. As well, I think these two probably takes us a long way if we we start changing the technology toward these two outcomes.
0: And, and we talked about it earlier, but like um, for me, the whole like full stack engineer, we're asking too much of people, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, the but when we're saying there's no specialization, but there is a data product developer, to me, I think that's going to have people confused as to what that that the differentiation there means? And is it that we're still evolving and we still have to figure out exactly <laughs> the line between somewhat specialized versus hyper-specialized versus...
1: It's an easy, easy function, really easy function. How long does it take for a vanilla developer to make a you know to to have a mutation toward this role, a data product developer? Do they need to have five years of experience in as a novice, as, as someone new to the to the field, to even be able to be productive? What is the investment to move people from a developer to a data product developer? What's that leap? And if it's not after one project you know I can become quite proficient I can still apply. I, I don't have to disregard and ignore everything I learn as a software developer I don't have to throw all that away. Uh, I can actually use that because it's I can see it applied everywhere here uh, and in addition to that of course I have to learn some new things around classifying data as the first, you know, class concern. Um, So, yeah, so there is some learning, but what is the function going from that to this new, from from a generalist developer to this new role? Uh, And you're right that, and, and that should be minimized in terms of time and effort, right? It should be feasible for people move across these boundaries. And I would say, you know, we have this, I agree that this notion of full stack developer is, is, I don't know, is overloaded or probably oversold. And we do have like an application developer, you have your mobile developers, maybe you have your distributed system, kind of low level infrastructure developers. You've got your app developers, web developers, like you got all these general, like different different roles, but um, they all understand a similar set of, tool sets, similar practices, they have similar values. There's just so much common knowledge and expertise that can be shared from when you go from one of these roles to the other. You don't have to completely shift to this new universe. And unfortunately, data and operational world, there are two very separate universes. Of course, you're still coding, like you're writing Scala code for your data processing, if you're a data engineer. So there's a lot of that, but the practices and paradigms around which you, um, you know, you, you prioritize what's what looks good, what good looks like are very different.
0: So thanks again to Jamak. As a reminder, please check out her startup Next Data. There's more information about it in the show notes. They're doing some pretty amazing things. She's hiring lots of folks looking to partner with others and just kind of check it out. As for me, please do follow up with me as well. I'm pretty easy to find. I'd love to chat data mesh or anything kind of in the data realm. Check out datameshunderstanding.com for more information, some useful resources and things as well. And Jamak and I both wish you an excellent rest of your day. Now with that, let's cue that inspiring outro music.